We do come to the final study tonight in our uh, efforts over these past weeks to work through the uh, book of James. And so I do want us to consider just these last two verses. But before we do so, I do want to pray and then we'll read the script. I'll make a few comments and then we'll read the scripture together. Our dear Father, God in heaven, your grace abounds. We thank you for this grace to us as individuals and even to us as a church. And so as we come again this evening to this passage of Scripture, I do pray that uh, we would learn from it, that we would grow in our walk of faith, and also as we consider those around us in the church, in the fellowship that we have together, and the concern that we ought to have one for another. Praying that your spirit would lead and guide and teach in ways that would lead to much blessing and much glory to your name, we pray. Amen. So just a few comments. I'm sure many of you have noticed that uh, at Central Baptist Church, both at the Hill and also at Arcadia, we give much attention. We have a group of people giving attention to what we refer to as the front door. And by the front door, we are speaking of and we refer to the welcoming ministry of the church. We have visitors coming to our church uh, weekly. Uh, There are people who arrive for whatever reason. We don't always know exactly why they come. Perhaps an invitation by someone. Perhaps someone picks us up on the internet. Uh, other, uh, Other times there is just a particular need and people are aware of the central church and they do come Uh, to spend some time with us, to be ministered to, to be exposed to the ministry of the church. And our efforts are that we would reach out to people, that we would not ignore them, that we would make an effort to respond to them, to perhaps even in the week that follows, we do have a, a, a response that goes out, an invitation that we can connect and build a relationship uh, with someone coming in the front door. That's the front door. And we can always do better, I believe, in what we do in the front door ministry of the church. But this evening, I do want to address, as a result of this passage from James, the back door ministry of the church. What are we doing? What are we doing about those? What should we be doing to help those who silently, often silently, uh, unknown to anyone or not noticed by anyone, slipping out of the back door of the church, never to be seen again. Well, James brings this letter to a close in this final appeal, and doing so, uh, appealing to us believers, appealing to the believers that he was addressing back in the time, to be sure that we are concerned about and reach out to those people who have left through the back door and make sure that we confront them, that we are confronting people to be sure that they stay on track. And so the thrust of the whole letter has been the matter of truth. And, 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 and so the appeal and uh, do, do people remain Uh, faithful and steadfast in the truth that has been revealed. And in this particular book, uh, faith, uh, we have learned, will express itself in godly works. 
Uh, true conversion follows evidence of faith. This is what James has been teaching. And he has been challenging us in various areas like avoiding uh, favoritism, avoiding um, uh, using the tongue in a negative and godless way, and therefore controlling the tongue, living a life in dependence on God, patiently walking the road of suffering was a repeated theme in the letter. And now finally, he is going to be addressing the issue of those who drift away from the truth. And so follow with me in your Bible, uh, James chapter 5 and just verse 19 and 20. So my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So we go to the slides and I'm going to just go back to the very beginning of the slides and you can see that I've entitled uh, the message when someone wanders from the truth. And the very first point that I'm wanting to make as we uh, look at this passage is something that is implied. The final appeal focuses on caring action among believers. But before we get to the caring action, there is uh, a need for us to address what I would want to refer to as an implied caution. There's a danger. There's a danger that any one of us professing believers uh, uh, need to be aware of, that we need to uh, steer clear of. And it is, my very first point, it is possible to stray. James presents apostasy as a very real possibility. Verse 19, my brothers, if anyone among you wonders from the truth. So let's uh, think about that word wonders. It implies that there is a determined direction, that there is a pathway, there is a body of truth, there is a defined or described lifestyle. These are all different ways of expressing this uh, determined direction, a course that a believer ought to follow or to walk in. Uh, that God has set before us a certain way. And, and the danger is wandering from this pathway. There's a certain family in our church that I've visited over the years, and uh, they have a long, narrow driveway. And reversing out of their driveway is dangerous. There's a pole planted by the municipality alongside of their driveway. And so when reversing out of the driveway it's so easy not to see the pole or forget that the pole is there and reverse the car into the pole and so from from the very first time that i visited these folk and each time that i've gone back there on leaving there is always the warning the caution be careful to stay on the driveway don't wander off the pathway you will smash your car and have a problem and I don't want to pay excess to my insurance I don't want to be without my car uh, at the panel beaters I don't want to damage my car so I listen when uh, they warn me and remind me of this particular danger and so we need to see there is a danger spiritually speaking of any professed professing believer to stray if we go back even to the biblical context of the day uh, professing 
believers strayed. There were those that wandered away from the truth. Let me give you an example. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.17. Uh, Paul writing to Timothy, speaking, he says about their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have swerved from the truth. They have deliberately, perhaps unintentionally strayed, I'm not sure, but they ended up at a place away from the truth, saying them uh, rejecting or saying that the resurrection has already happened. They're upsetting the faith of some. Now, if you've been around in any church, but even Central Baptist Church for a while, you will know that this still happens. There are believers, professing believers, who are no longer with us. They've left through the back door. At least one person I'm sure you can think of, I can think of a number of people sadly down through the years, people who for a season believed and were among us and we could say were one of us, but then they wandered off. I remember many, many years ago now, uh, as a young adult, Carol and I, newly married, we were leading uh, the youth group of the Rosettenville Baptist Church, and uh, there was a number of teenagers who attended the youth group. But there was a young man who really stood out and, and emerged as an unusually, we thought, gifted uh, believer and, and speaker. And uh, I remember him as a 16-year-old. Uh, we used him to speak and to preach to the teenagers on a Friday night. And he would do so uh, with authority and power, courageously and boldly, and content in delivering the gospel. Many of us thought that he would end up as an itinerant preacher uh, and perhaps even a significant Christian leader in our evangelical Baptist circles. Well, as the years have unfolded, 40 years plus, now looking back, this young man then has now wandered from the truth. He now holds to what is called universalism. That's what he calls it. He maintains that a loving God will never condemn any of his creatures to hell. I'm sure you have similar stories. So and so was with us and among us. And now he or she has wandered away from the truth. We also need to be cautious and aware that this could be you or me. It's not just others that may possibly stray. Any one of us could stray. And so we must be careful not to take our faith for granted. Don't assume that all will always be well. There's the warning that we need to remember from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. There's a humility that we uh, maintain our faith, uh, always with a sense of amazing grace that, that God has bestowed on us and given to us, not to be taken for granted, not to make assumptions uh, of, that lead us down pathways of pride and, 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 and leads us off uh, into straying away from the truth. We do need to ask, well, what is it that constitutes wandering in the context of this final appeal from James? Uh, it is true that he definitely refers to the wandering away from uh, doctrinal truth, 
sound doctrine, away from that which God has revealed to us in the Bible. But I do believe it also includes a wandering away from a godly lifestyle. Uh, we cannot and must not separate the intellectual from behavior uh, or we could say doctrinal from the moral. And uh, again, we see some examples. Uh, New Testament, we read of Demas forsaking Paul for moral reasons. Uh, Paul says in 2 Timothy 4 verse 10, Demas loved the world. And then on the other hand, Alexander forsaking Paul uh, the metal worker, he did Paul great harm because he objected to his teaching, his doctrine. Uh, 2 Timothy 4 verse 15, he strongly opposed our message. And so, yes, uh, what we believe will ultimately uh, have an impact on how we behave. So both of these uh, ought to be seen in the context of the pathway that we need to remain on and not stray from. And we see this, positively speaking, as Paul writes to Titus. He speaks there of uh, him being a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of faith of God's elect, the knowledge of truth, which accords with godliness. So both the intellectual, the doctrinal, the body of truth, the soundness of doctrine and what we believe, and also how we behave uh, is that which is being considered, yes. And James, in the James passage, apostasy definitely, as he identifies it as wandering from the truth, can be either or both. Well, not only is it possible to stray, but now as we move on to the passage, I want to show you that it is a blessing to confront. Kisses of an enemy are profuse. Faithful of the wounds of a friend. We are more prone to pay people compliments and just think we are loving them when we are nice to them rather than sometimes having to deal with hard issues with any uh, body that we may know or be aware of. I think it's true and very sad that most of us don't respond well when we are confronted. We are reactive we get angry, we try and justify ourselves and become quite critical of the person confronting us. We don't like being tapped on the shoulder and being told that we are losing our way. And yet just think in some practical terms, some examples, simple examples of everyday living. Uh, I'm so glad that when I visit those friends in the church and they warn me about the pole at the end of their driveway, it's a blessing not to have my car with a fat dent in the back. I also remember, and I'm grateful, over the many years of my marriage to Carol, where she would warn me uh, in the course of us driving to a particular place in the traffic and, 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 and scream out, watch out for that car, watch out for that whatever it is, and we avoid an accident simply because she warned me. What a blessing, what a blessing to have that uh, warning that is sounded. Then I remember many, many years ago, I was involved with uh, Youth for Christ as a, still in my single days. And we, we were uh, involved in a program of taking teenage orphans uh, up Montessorsus to minister to them in a situation of, 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 of life. 
uh, where challenges are being presented and we climb onto sources, getting to the top of the mountain, top of the Drakensberg. And if you've ever been there, you know that it's absolutely magnificent. Get to the top and you can walk to the edge of what is known as the amphitheater where there's this huge drop, thousands of feet down, vertical drop. And uh, we were walking along that edge on one occasion and I was about to step forward and this friend of mine grabbed hold of me and pulled me away. And I was quite angry with him in that moment, thinking, what on earth is he doing? And then he pointed out that I was about to step on a loose rock, which if I had done so, I would have gone tumbling over the edge to my death. I was glad for that blessing. He saved my life. And, and, And so we need to see our reluctance to be confronted and to confront is because we don't necessarily understand the danger. And so I want us to consider that the the dangers as identified by James in this passage. First is the danger of death. This rescue from death is not just like a fireman pulling somebody out of a burning building, or it's not just like we've seen recently on news reports uh, a man or a woman or a child being pulled out from uh, rubble as a result of the earthquake in Turkey or Syria. It is saving someone, not just from physical death or danger, it is saving someone from spiritual death. It is the saving of of a person, uh, their body and soul, in eternal separation from God. And uh, look at the verse, verse 20. Let him know that that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death. It's rescue from a horrifying existence which the scripture defines in many places in varying ways. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 8 Inflaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God, on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. The frightening, frightening uh, destiny, destination. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. In other places, speaking of unquenchable fire, place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Or Revelation 14, 11, the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest, day or night. These uh, worshippers of the beast and its image and whoever receives the mark of his name. There, there is a horror facing those who will spiritually die in our understanding of that which will take place after this life in judgment. There's also the danger of being exposed. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now the previous danger is connected with this danger. The second danger speaks about the proof. If someone is condemned, if someone is ultimately uh, thrown into that place where there is unquenchable fire and the worm does not die, it is because of evidence of their rebellion to God. And so the proof or evidence that will be presented to God renders that person guilty of rebellion and worthy of condemnation. And so the second danger warns of this detailed list 
of any individual person exposing every sinful thought and motive and deed before the judge. That's frightening. Nothing held back. Every secret, every deed. Your sin or the person who does not continue in the grace of God, every sin will be exposed that would lead to condemnation and death and painful and humiliating shame. Can you see the danger? And wandering away from God and, 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 and why there is this danger? But can you see also why it is not only necessary to confront, but why it is also such a blessing? Because rescue brings about the blessing of life. When a sinner is turned from error, blessing abounds. Now again, we can refer to many passages, Romans 8 verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Or John chapter 10 verse 10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The confrontation of bringing someone back brings them into this experience. It's a life of them knowing God, living in the presence and favor and the blessing of God. It's a life, Peter tells us, of receiving an inheritance that will never perish, spoil or fade. It's a life of joy and worship and exalting God, enjoying Him forever. It's a life of love and peace and joy and grace. It's a life of receiving every blessing secured by the redeeming work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's a blessing of sins covered. So Psalm 32 verse 1, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Being covered. That's a wonderful concept when it comes to sin. Not being exposed, but covered. Again, we can use some simple everyday examples, a biblical example even of Noah. Remember him building the ark, and he covered the ark with pitch, and he covered the wood. The wood becomes hidden from sight. Isn't that great? If you think about that in terms of your sin, wood hidden from sight. Uh, I was thinking of another example, um, eating a meal at a restaurant being with our whole family, 15 or so of us, and people ordering off a menu and uh, eating the main meal and, and, and having pudding thereafter and enjoying an evening together. But, but there's a bill to be paid. And we have on occasion, and in fact more than one occasion, had someone uh, stand up and, and, and say, no, the, the, the bill is covered. It's been paid. It's covered in full. And, and, and so understanding that someone else paid the price. And again, applying that to this issue of the blessing of sins being covered. Jesus has covered our sins. Our guilt has been covered. The concept of atonement, a sufficient payment through the blood uh, of sacrifice by which sins are covered. 1 John 4 verse 10. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The work of Jesus on the cross, appeasing the wrath of God, satisfying the justice of God. Jesus dying in the place of sinners. The blessing of real meaningful life 
because a multitude of sins have been covered by the atoning work of Jesus. Let me conclude. From what James is telling us here, that it is not an intrusion, it is not an intrusion for, I'm sorry, my dog is interrupting my Bible study. She's probably got bored. I'm sorry about that. But let me conclude. It's not an intrusion. It's not an intrusion into someone's private space to confront them and bring them back from their wandering. It's loving action. It's loving action. And, and so we do need to do this kind of thing, gently and kindly and loving. I hope you've seen tonight the foolishness of leaving someone in their sin. Dear friends, God is concerned about the back door of the Central Baptist Church. And so we must ask the question, I must ask the question of you and of myself. Who can you, who can I approach this week? Who do you know that has wandered from the truth? Bring them back. Save them from death. Cover a multitude of sins. Here are the questions that you can consider in discussion. And as we go forward... May God be merciful to us, keeping us, holding us in his hand. Lord, we pray tonight for those who have wandered from the truth, those who were once among us and no longer with us. Help us, Lord, to be concerned one for the other, looking out that each one remain on the path and not wander from the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Be merciful. We pray, and by your Spirit, lead and prompt, we ask, Lord, that your name be exalted, that many be saved from death, and a multitude of sins be covered, we pray. Amen.